the Niners Nation podcast, and Tom Brady, I don't know why they chose that guy over you, to be honest with you. Niner Nate here with you once again. Our NFC West preview continues. Got the Cardinals down. This week is the hated Seattle Seahawks. With me this week is Slickhawk of 950 KJR in Seattle. How are you doing, man? I'm good. Why is it got to be the hated Seahawks? I got a t-shirt on right now. It says, it's all love. I'm putting out the love for you right now, Niner Nate. Uh, no, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. It's been too long. You've had Jason Puckett on this podcast, and, and I've been waiting for my opportunity uh, to get on here with you and, and talk about the reigning, defending NFC West champion, Seattle Seahawks. And so I'm glad we get this chance to talk. <laughs> totally. I mean, I was speaking more from you know the 49er fans' perspective. You know I worked in Seattle for four years. I don't hate them as much as everyone else does. But, you know, if you ask any yes, Niner you do. fans. Come on. No, come on. No, come on, Nate. No, I don't know what, what kind of no, the only reason you're I playing up on your podcast. But you had a lot of smack to talk about the Seahawks when you were up here, about the Hawks, <laughs> about the 12th man, pretty much everybody. I felt like you, you kind of had a softball for me. Like you let up a little bit. You were easy. You took it easy on me. Maybe because you were working for me at the time. I don't know why, but I was like the one person you took it easy on. But come on now. Let's not, let's call a spade a spade here. I, I mean, if anything, it's more softy in the fact that he, one day he sent all of his Twitter followers to send me a message when Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt last season. Oh, that's, that's cold, man. That's cold, bloody. That's, that's not so, cool. It's been an interesting, um, it's been interesting, you know, going from Seattle to San Francisco. And obviously I do this Niners podcast now, but. We brought you on here to talk about the Seattle Seahawks. There's a lot that's happened, I think, since last season. Yes, you're the defending uh, reigning NFC West champions, but you're not the team that got the furthest in the playoffs out of the NFC West. And we'll be talking to the Rams next week. Really excited about that. But let's talk about the Seahawks. So, you know, a lot of drama this offseason with the whole Russell Wilson thing. As a fan, as someone who works in the media, what was some of this? What was your, some of your thoughts on the, on the whole Russell Wilson drama we saw happen this offseason? Um, well, I mean, and you're kind of seeing it in Green Bay, too. You know, it, 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 there's going to be a, somebody every offseason. I guess it was our turn. Although, you know, when Russell Wilson signs a four-year extension two years ago, you figure we don't have to worry about quarterback issues for a while. But lo and behold, here we had it this offseason. Look, you got a, a quarterback in Russell Wilson that, you know, he wants, when all is said and done, and he wraps it up, he wants to be considered among the greats with Montana and Brady and whoever else you want to put kind of in that stratosphere. And you can't do that only winning one Super Bowl. So he, he wants to win Super Bowls. You know, he's at right now he's kind of at the apex of his career. And so he sees his his cupboard kind of bare uh, compared to where he wishes he was right now. And so he wants to win Super Bowls, what, be it here or if he's not able to do that here, he doesn't see a culture where he can do that than, than somewhere else. And so, you know, there are just philosophical differences, I think, between he and Pete Carroll on how you go about winning football games in 2020. You know, Carroll Ball, uh, which is what I call, you know, Pete Carroll's brand of football, Carroll Ball, it, it works, you know, it worked in the early 2000, you know, 2010s. You know, it worked uh, against you guys, you know, in that era. But it, you have to have an elite defense to do that. The Seahawks don't have an elite defense. And so, you know, contr controlling the clock and playing the turnover battle and not, you know, not playing risky. and it, That's all fine and well and good, but you, you have to have the personnel to match that. And they just they just haven't had that, that personnel. So, you know, it's and and the league has gone, you know, it, it's gone to more of a passing league. The rules are set up for passing. 
The rules all benefit the passing offense, and it's what the league wants to see. But Pete Carroll, who, I mean, he is stubborn. He has an ego. He wants to not just win, but he wants to win his way. And so that um, that doesn't coincide with the way you run offenses in the modern the modern day of football. So, you know, you mentioned that it's a passing league. Last year, they you know, the Seahawks had this mentality of um, let Russ cook. And so the Seahawks were off on a tear. I mean, a lot of people were saying this is the year they return to the Super Bowl, all that stuff. And then something happened halfway through the season. And you were around the Seahawks a lot more than I was, obviously, last year. What happened that, you know, led to this just dramatic drop off of the offense? You know, that question is one um, everybody kind of has a different answer around here. And that's that's the big question about the Seahawks it is what happened mid season because yeah, Russell Wilson, you know, he was on a tear, the team was winning. And, uh, I think it's a combination of things. First of all, uh, the Seahawks lost a couple games. You know, they, you got to look at what the Seahawks were the first half of the year last year. They had a historically bad, I mean, historically bad defense. And so the offense had to kind of bear the brunt of, making up for that. And so, you know, when it didn't go so well, which is uh, against the Bills, there was a Bills game where the Seahawks got blown out uh, because they couldn't stop Josh Allen. They couldn't stop anybody at that time. Um, Now, later in the season, they made some schematic adjustments defensively. Uh, They brought in Carlos Dunlap to help help with the pass rush. Jamal Adams got healthy, and that helped him out and gave him some more pass rush. And so they, they got better defensively. Not as as great as the numbers would show. Um, part of it was the schedule they played. They had a real soft schedule the second half of the season. But but part of it uh, was, was was the changes that they made and, and those guys that they were able to bring in. So so there's that aspect of it. And that's kind of you know, that Bills, Rams, Cardinals, that kind of chunk in the middle of the season. That's where you really saw things turn around for the Seahawks offensively. And so... You know, he had three turnovers, three picks for Russell Wilson in that Bills game. And if you know anything about Pete Carroll, it's all about the ball and not turning over the football, you know, winning the turnover battle. And so, I mean, if you just hear the comments uh, from Pete Carroll in in his press conference after those games and even later on in the season, kind of recapping the season, you know, he, he used phrase, phrases like, you know, I don't know who, who we are. That's That's not us out there it's so imperative to him that you not turn the football over and you know he he scaled it back now people will point to kind of the run pass ratio and say well no they were still throwing the football they were still dialing up passing plays but it's it's not that simple that's massively oversimplifying things they had an offense you know and and again you could see in the first half of last season they had an offense that was built on you know throwing the ball downfield yeah, big plays. That's that's what Pete Carroll is all about. He's about running the football and then using play action to set up deep plays downfield and 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 hit home runs. And so you had teams that were adjusting to that, playing a lot more two safety uh, to prevent those kind of deep passes and and keep things out in front of them. So that was a, a part of the problem right there that they never adjusted back to. But you know, moreover, and, and this is kind of what Russell Wilson was talking about when he says, you know, I'm. I'm getting hit too much. The The offense just didn't didn't suit him. And the offense wasn't designed 
or I guess I, I'll say they it failed to adjust to what those defenses were doing to where they're still trying to hit these home run plays, even when they're not running the football well because Chris Carson was hurt and Carlos Side was hurt. So they're, they're trying to hit these home run plays, and the defense is, is sagging back, not letting that happen. But they kept dialing them up and dialing them up. And so it's long-developing plays downfield. You don't have the best offensive line. It's not as bad as it's been. In, in past years. In fact, it's probably the best offensive line Russell Wilson's had in seven years, but they're, they're still not good enough to where, you know, you're waiting for long developing plays. You find out, okay, well, it's not there. There's no intermediate passing game really built in. And so Russell holds on to the ball too long. And then, you know, he's got, he's got a guy in his face and then he has to either run around or get sacked. So uh, the offense, once teams adjusted kind of middle of the year, and combined with Pete Carroll reigning in the offense, and and I I called it neutering the offense because that was the other part of it with that that turnover that with Russell turning the ball over, you know uh, I, I firmly believe that Pete Carroll said we're, we're going to cut down on these turnovers. You know I don't want you throwing into tight windows. I don't want you throwing unless guys are uh, wide as open, and. And and that just didn't happen very much. So again, the result is Russell holds onto the ball too long, gets sacked, and the offense is it, it sputters. It doesn't. Uh, there's no flow to it. And uh, I mean, you saw. I mean, the game against the the Giants, uh, where the offense was really exposed. Um, you know, I, in fact, and this isn't a slam, but the the game against you guys down there, that was really in the second half, the only time that the Seahawks, um, really got it going offensively. Other than that, in the second half, they they got worked. Yeah, I mean, watching that game was it was kind of um, surprising for the Niner fans because we were like, "It's C.J. Beathard, we're going to lose." Like we already knew that, and I think a lot of us, you know, me included, were just hoping to lose to get a better quarterback at this point because we knew that's where it was going. And so, like, it was surprising to see you guys, you know, come out and look so, you know, not not the Seahawks. And then, you know, of course, Russell Wilson turned it on the second half, and they ended up winning that game, which you know they they didn't really need to win that game. I think they had already secured the NFC West. But they ended up playing the Rams, and then the Rams came in and, and really worked them in, in the playoffs. And so, you know, moving on to now this season, you guys had, uh, I'm pretty sure it was four total draft picks this year. Um, your first pick, was it three? <laughs> three. So your first pick was was um, a kid named Dwayne Eskridge, I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure. Yeah. Um, what what is what are your thoughts on this guy coming in the season? Obviously, you know, I know you love Decalion, Decalion, you say it, Decalion, Decalion, Zacharias, Metcalf. Yeah, that's your guy. You were on him before anybody, anybody on Twitter. I mean, I think you were like, cone drills don't matter. This is my guy. And so, you know, it was funny because I was like, I don't know if Slickhawk's right on this one. And he ended up being right. He's, you know, he's a tremendous wide receiver. He's a huge threat um, to any team. And so now you add in. um, The Eskridge. The Eskridge. And so, you know, what, what is, what were the Seahawks plan for this draft? What has been the Seahawks offseason plan? going into this 2021 season. The plan for this draft was to punt on this draft. And <laughs> and, and and I'm dead serious, Nate, yeah. and and you've been up here, you know how much John Schneider puts into the draft and how important the draft is to his process. Um I mean it is for AT, but you know, having mult as many draft picks as possible is normally what is important to John Schneider. So the fact that he came in to the draft with three picks and left with three picks shows you how little stock they put into this draft. And that's why they make the trade for Jamal Adams, where they trade a first and a third from this draft, uh, along with Bradley McDougald. They bring in Jamal Adams and they, 
cost him a first rounder next year, by the way, too. That, that I think they feel like that hurts them a little bit more. But look, it, I mean, coming off of COVID, nobody knew how much evaluation you're going to get on anybody, how consistent that evaluation is going to be. You had leagues that, in college that didn't play. You had leagues that waited to play until the spring. And so just kind of seeing that coming, I, I think John and Pete really did. They punted on this draft. You know, that said, the picks that they did have, look, I was um, going into the draft, I was begging for them to use, not trade, use that second round pick and use it on uh, a third wide receiver. And that's exactly what they did. And it's somebody that's not only going to suit Russell Wilson well, but it's going to suit this offense well. And this, you know, the biggest off- the biggest addition of the offseason isn't even a player. It's offensive coordinator Shane Waldron. And for all their shortcomings and all the things I talked about in the second half of last season, their failure to adjust this is that adjustment. Shane Waldron, he's going to get the ball to Russell Wilson's hands faster. He comes from that Rams offense that you uh, talked about moments ago. Um, he, he's a Sean McVay disciple. He's going to bring a lot of motion. He's going to bring uh, a lot of speed, getting the ball quick, getting Russell out on the edge. D. Eskridge is a, is a great fit for what they want to do there and and actually use that short intermediate passing game. He's a speed demon. He's a guy that you can run on fly sweeps. You know, he's a guy that you can uh, use on gadget plays. He can work the, the slot. He can work the short middle of the field. And so even though he's, you know, speedy like that, you're not, you're not using him as a, as a deep, you have deep threats. I mean, you have DK and Tyler Lockett, which both are, are very good deep, um, but you need to work in that intermediate passing game. And that's where DS Ridge comes in. That's where the acquisition of Gerald Everett, who, who knows a lot of parts of this offense, that's where he comes in and it's going to allow DK and Tyler Lockett to be more effective. So, you know, we mentioned the passing game. Let's talk about the running game for a little bit. I mean, Pete Carroll, you mentioned he's a run-first guy, always has been, was there like that when I was there, hasn't changed at all. You guys have this guy, Chris Carson, who's been consistently a good running back, but I don't think he's played a season where he hasn't gotten injured. So what's the plan for running back for you guys right now? And obviously you're going to put Chris Carson out there because he's, you know, he's your best bet. But, you know, are we going to see more Rashad Penny? Like, what is their plan at running back, you think, going into this season? Well, you're right about Carson. He hasn't finished an entire season uh, since high school uh, without being hurt one at one point or another. So, um, you know, I mean, you look at him. I mean, he's built like a Greek god, but he, he does the just his running style. You're going to get hurt. And so they have Rashad Penny, um, a first round draft pick who they declined their fifth year option on. You know, he's never panned out to what they thought he would. There was a stretch uh, in 2019, and and it's just uh, you saw what could be because for a few games, two or three games, they were using them as a true 1A, 1B, and they were getting equal snaps. They were both really productive. Chris Carson is an, under, an underrated uh, receiver out of the backfield. They're using them both in that capacity and, and running the ball. And you really saw how good the offense can look with both of those guys in there. And then uh, Rashad Penny tore his ACL. And it was toward the end of the season. So he was out, obviously, most of last year. Came back finally in December, but he wasn't 100%. 
It's a long recovery. So this year, I mean, the hope is that Rashad Penny would be 100%. He just missed mandatory minicamp after getting a a cleanup procedure done on that same knee. So we'll see what kind of Rashad Penny we get going into the season. You would love to be able to go 1A and 1B with these two guys. I mean, that's that's the ultimate. You keep smileage off of Chris Carson. Uh, it keeps you varied in what you can do out of the backfield. I mean, if you can if you can do that, this offense will hum even more. It's 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 up to the health of Rashad Penny. Before we move on to the defense, the offensive line, the biggest complaint that Russell Wilson has had the whole time he's been there. I mean, I was there for four years, and I think the guy had zero time all the time. And yes, I think that you would agree that sometimes Russell does run into his own sacks because of sure. the way he plays. But what do you think about the, the offensive line going into this season? I think I agree with you where you said last year was probably the best offensive line he's had in the last seven years. Totally agree with you there. Um, I think that they lost a player in the offseason because of some uh, some sort of dispute, a domestic violence dispute. Um, is that a starting player, a starting caliber guy? Or what is the look of this offensive line going into next season? Uh, no, no, you're talking about uh, Chad Wheeler. No, no, he was actually already, um, he was not a member of the team when that happened. Okay. Um, gotcha. You know, he he had been on um, on a one year deal or something like that. Anyway, it, that was already done. So he was he wasn't actually a member of the Seahawks when that happened. But Chad, yeah, Chad Wheeler's gone. He was only a backup player anyway. Um. So yeah, no, th- this offensive line, um, shapes up to be even improved from last year, and it, it's it's subtle things like okay, so they go and they make a trade for Gabe Jackson. And you think, okay, well, he's a he's a nice guard. He'll, he'll he'll slide in nicely. The reason why it's a significant change and why it's something that's going to help appease Russell, especially when we talk about interior offensive linemen for this team in the Pete Carroll uh, era, and as this is going back to when Tom Cable was the offensive line coach, you know, taking over after um, after Alex Gibbs. So the interior linemen are always always uh, running dominant, running focused offensive linemen. Every time they go out and get a free agent, every time they draft somebody, especially if it's on the interior talking guards and center, it's just, it's big road graders, you know, going to create holes for the running game. And this has been the first time I can remember where they actually made a commitment to a pass blocking dominant guard. And that's what they got in Gabe Jackson. They're going to move him. uh, They're going to put him at right guard. Damian Lewis is going to switch. He was a rookie last year, had a real nice rookie campaign at right guard. They're going to switch him to the left side. Uh, he's a decent pass blocker. And so now you've got yourself uh, actual guards who can pass block and give Russell Wilson time. So that's, you know, it looks like they'll return Ethan Posick uh, at center, most likely. And then uh, the bookends, Brandon Shell uh, was a, a signee last offseason who exceeded, I think, everybody's expectations at how well he played at, at right tackle. He's not Pro Bowl level or anything, but he's decent enough. And then Dwayne Brown, you know, he's 35 years old, but he still is a pretty good anchor there on the left side. It's a it's a more than capable offensive line. Uh, again, I expect it to be the best that Russell Wilson's had since 2013. And uh, they can, they're still big enough and nasty enough. They can move guys and create lanes for Chris Carson, but they're going to keep guys off of Russell Wilson too. So we talked about the offense. Let's talk about the defense. You guys statistically had one of the worst defenses in the league last year. I think only Dallas was worse. Um, and that was right. That was before Dak Prescott got hurt. And I think they even got worse over time. 
And so in the offseason, I, I actually, you know, you mentioned Carlos Dunlap. You guys ended up re-signing him. Uh, a, probably the best pass rusher you guys had last year. And then you used Jamal Adams, you know, sometimes as a box safety. And then you guys add Akello, uh, and then you also had to carry Hyder. So what's the overall outlook on this defense going into the 2021 season, knowing that you're playing Kyler Murray, hopefully Trey Lance, and Matthew Stafford? It's a big question mark because th- there's just questions up and down. I mean, at, at pretty much every position group. Uh, I'll save secondary for last. You know, defensive line, they're throwing. I, I am stunned. I am stunned at what John Schneider was able to do this offseason because you have a roster that was getting expensive g- going into a year where the cap was going down. Defensive line uh, has been something that's been a struggle for them ever since Frank Clark left to generate pass rush. They were able to do it the second half of last year. Um, so this is this has been something that's, that's kind of plagued them. But they did find something in Carlos Dunlap. And his addition really kind of reset. It kind of got everybody where they need to be and playing in the positions that they can't that they need to be playing. And it helped make everybody around him better. You know, it, it took snaps off of Rasheem Green to where he can be productive as he needs to be. It bumped LJ Collier down inside to play that, you know, to play that interior defensive end spot to where, you know, kind of like the, the like Michael Bennett used to play where he's more comfortable playing. And so it, it allows them to do – it allows everybody to kind of be where they're supposed to be. So Carlos Dunlap coming back this offseason is huge. And, you know, I, I was extremely critical of the Seahawks for – they let him go because of his contract. But they bring him back, and it's going to be at about half the price. So, I mean, that's a win for John Schneider. Now, they tried the same thing with Jaron Reed. Jaron Reed – chose not to come back he chose to sign elsewhere but John Schneider made all these really shrewd moves and what they've done is they put together a defensive line the Hyder move is a move that I love too but a, a defensive line they've got a lot that, thro- that they're throwing at it and some of it is young guys uh so, you know you're talking about uh, Daryl Taylor who essentially redshirted last year he was never healthy he's gonna factor in Collier should factor in this year uh, again with Dunlap playing and having him play where he needs to play. They signed Robert Kimdichie, uh in the offseason to see if they can they can maybe resurrect something out of him. They're just all these kind of little moves that they did. Um, they've got a lot of names to throw at it. There's going to be some real competition in training camp. I think by camp's end, they will have landed on a defensive line that can actually be pretty good. He moved back to the linebacker level. You know, Bobby Wagner has lost, I'll say he's lost a half a step. Uh, at this point, you know, he's a little bit slower, a little bit less powerful than he used to be, but he's still a really, really, really damn good linebacker. Um, it's interesting because K.J. Wright, you know, they're looking at this possibly being the first year in a decade that they haven't had K.J. Wright. And the way he played last year, uh, you know, he, he nobody, phenomenal. there's nobody better at dissecting plays and being in the right place at the right time. And so that's going to be an adjustment. Last season, they drafted Jordan Brooks in the first round to be that guy. And so he's going to have every opportunity to prove that he can be that. Um, he flashed last year. He showed a lot of good things. Uh, I really like Jordan Brooks. He's athletic as, as hell. I, if you look at him, and he, look, he looks like a Terminator. So, you know, Jordan Brooks has every physical tool to be able to pick up where KJ is leaving off, 
Uh, but it's, you know, is he going to have to be able to develop the instincts and the rapport with Bobby Wagner? That's going to take time. We'll see what happens there. So that's kind of the linebacker level. They're, they're thin, you know, beyond that. So they Before have to you stay healthy. To the, to the secondary real quick. Yeah. You talk about Carlos Dunlap being, you know, probably your best pass rusher right now. Mm-hmm. Does it worry you at all that the best pass rusher of the Seattle Seahawks is going to be a 32-year-old, you know, football player in this league when, yeah. you know, a lot of these, you know, the two team, the two biggest D-lines you're going to see are obviously San Francisco and L.A. And San Francisco has Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw, and then we all know the Rams sitting there with the best player in the league, Aaron Donald. They still have Malcolm, um, uh, oh my goodness, Floyd, I think. Um, so, I mean a lot of these offensive lines are younger than what you guys are dealing with. And you guys are looking at more older players. Does that scare you at all? Is that something that, you know, you think could be an injury concern, potentially things like that kind of just the fact uh, that George no. Floyd is no- that doesn't really worry old. me right now, you know, maybe in a couple of years we'll see, but hopefully they will address that then too. I mean, yeah, their best pass rusher is their safety. I mean, Jamal Adams is the best pass rusher on the team. So, so it's not even Carlos Dunlap and, and, you know, what does that do to the secondary when he's, when he's in, you know, in the backfield? Well, that took some adjusting last year, but I think they did adjust to that. Now by year's end, I think that they were blitzing him a little bit less. And when they were blitzing him, I think they were better at adjusting the defense, moving things around. You know, they found a gem, just a steal uh, by finding Ryan Neal off the scrap heap and, and plugging him in when Jamal Adams was hurt. He's somebody that you can rotate out there. I mean, they're probably, and, and this is what's going to be, uh, the Seahawks defense is going to look different this year than it's ever looked, I think. I think there are going to be a lot of varied looks, and I think Jamal Adams is the reason why. There are going to be times they roll three safeties out there. You know, and you're going to have Marquise Blair maybe playing nickel, and then you're going to roll down uh, Jamal Adams to, to to go into the backfield, uh, and then you'll be and, and then you'll have Quandre Diggs on the back end. I, I think you're going to see that. I think you're going to see a, a lot of nickel uh, this year more than you would have seen maybe in the last couple of years. So I, I think there are a lot of different things. Uh, that they're going to they're going to throw a lot of different looks at defenses. You know the the Pete Carroll, you know the this defense, the 2013 2014 Pete Carroll defense. They were, you know, they were famed for. They're just going to do what they do. You know, they're going to play cover three. They're going to play man free, and then that you know that's what you get. You get two defenses to look at. They didn't mm-hmm. play. They really weren't playing cover two. This this defense, you're going to get all kind of different looks. I think, and so maybe what they're lacking in depth and personnel. At defensive end, guys coming at you downhill, I, I think they make up for in what they can do with their safety and in different ways that they can come at you. So uh, I think that that helps. Where where they're deficient is is in the secondary when in just in terms of, of pass coverage. And I say deficient, we just don't know what they're going to be. You know, they lose a uh, Shaq Griffin on the outside. They bring in a Killer Witherspoon, like you mentioned. Um, We'll see what he, you know, how he produces or where he where he factors in, um, but it's it's a wide open competition at cornerback. Safety feel a little bit better, but I mean Jamal Adams has to show that he can be better in coverage when he's not blitzing. You know, Quandre Diggs mm-hmm. needs to show that if you are going to go single high safety, that that he can he can take care of that whole center field, that whole back end. So uh, guys with a lot to prove. Secondary is the biggest question mark on this team, but. Um, you know they're gonna have to sc- they're gonna give up more points than P. Carroll would like, and they're gonna have to score more to keep up. It feels like a you know you talk about the 2013 Seattle Seahawks teams and how much they played cover three, and you know 
the way they played cover three was because they were so talented. And now you look at this Seahawks team, and even you will agree with me, they're not they're not as talented. Like it's it's mm-hmm. pretty it's pretty obvious they're not as talented. You know, we don't see Richard Sherman's every day. You know, I think people forget how good Earl Thomas was before he went crazy. Cam Chancer was a monster. And no one on the Seahawks is like that. I think, you know, you you hit the nail on the head. Jamal Adams is your best player, but he's not good in coverage. And those guys were good in coverage as well as they could hit, as well as they could diagnose. Like they were just different. Let's take a break real quick. We'll get back and let's talk about the NFC West and how you feel about the Seahawks versus the Cardinals, Rams, and of course the 49ers. All right, we're back here with Slickhawk of 950KJR in Seattle. Uh, Let's talk about the NFC West. So, you know, last year you guys won the division uh, and then ended up losing to the Rams in the playoffs. So let's talk about the the Rams real quick. When you look at the Rams and you see that they added a real quarterback that's not Jared Goof, what is the first thing that you think going into this season, you know, with the Seattle Seahawks? And then we're going to get to the 49ers, of course, because a lot's changed here as well. But, you know, what are you thinking about the Rams? I asked uh, last week we had a guy from the Cardinals on. Asked him specifically what he thinks of the Rams, and he's scared of the Rams uh, because they look like the best team in the division right now. I think um, I think we should give Jared Goff a little more credit. Not a ton, but a little. Jared Goof. And, and I think that we should put some more onus on, on Shan, Sean McVay's shoulders because, look, three years ago, Jared Goff had this team in the Super Bowl, did he not? Yeah, but I mean, win the they were in the Bowl. Super Bowl. What? <laughs> but what? They didn't win the Super Bowl because yeah, of Jared Goff. But he had him in the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, he, he, they played in the Super Bowl. So, uh, I mean, you know, next year you'll be able to say the same thing about the Niners. Well, three years ago they were they were in the Super Bowl uh, and didn't win. I mean, that, that was a pretty good team, though, the yeah. Niners had. Uh, and that was with Jimmy Garoppolo. So I, I think that uh, Jared Goff should get a little more credit and Sean McVay should get a little more blame now I mean because do you think that Jared Goff just completely fell off the map as far as what he's able to I mean it's the same offense it's the same guys so yeah he he regressed some and I think moreover the league adjusted to that offense you know Sean McVay I don't think he's gonna I don't know maybe he'll make changes to offense I don't know he's he's they they call him a genius they call Shanahan a genius I think maybe people need to slow their roll on both of those but um (laughs) Don't tell clear that to the fans of the show. <laughs> I'm just saying, clear upgrade, clear upgrade from from Goff to Stafford. Yeah, There's no question. Um, you know, but what's Matt Stafford ever won is my other my other counter to that too. Yeah. You know, he comes from a bad organization that never wins anything, despite the fact that you know he had some really big numbers. Do numbers translate into wins? They help. And he's certainly a gamer. I like Matt Stafford. I always have. So, you know, but we got to see. We got to see how, how the fit is. The Rams are better with Matt Stafford than they were with Jared Goff. There's no question about that. Cool. Does that translate into, what, a, a division championship? I don't know. It, you know, the, that defensive front is is mighty formidable. Um, they've still got pretty good weapons. I just don't know if they can pull it all together or not. We'll We'll see. So let's switch gears and talk about the 49ers. Obviously, this is a 49er podcast. We talk a lot about the Seahawks. I want to hear your opinion on this. because we, we, asked, we asked the Cardinals guy last week, Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance. We have this rookie. I mean, I'm sure you know a little bit about Trey Lance. Rookie out of North Dakota State, drafted third overall. Has 6-1. All the tools that, you know, someone like Mahomes or, or Wilson had coming when they came into the league. You know, when you look at the 49ers, I think as a Seahawks fan and, this is me saying what I think you'll say, and then I want to hear what you have to say, is 
I think you hope Jimmy Garoppolo starts this season because I don't think you would want to face a kid like Trey with the kind of potential he could have, right? Uh, I mean, it's going to happen sooner or later. I, I, um, you know, I got, if you talk about Goldilocks and the three porridges, you know, I got kind of the middle porridge, you know, the not too hot, not too cold. Like I, what I really wanted, I didn't get, which was them taking Mac Jones. Like I was begging for that. And then what, what I didn't want was Justin Fields. Yeah. And they didn't do that. So I got kind of the happy medium, which is Trey Lance, who is just, I mean, Trey Lance is the biggest question mark, biggest unknown really in the draft. Do you consider where he went in the draft, the situation and all that? I don't know what Trey Lance is. I know he's got a lot of tools. Uh, I know that, you know, he comes with some, I guess, uh, could you call it pedigree? I mean, he played in, you know, he played in North Dakota State. So you tell me. He, he wins. I know he wins there. You know, so I, I just, I don't know. In terms of Garoppolo versus Lance this year, like, I, I'm higher on Garoppolo than a lot of people are around here. I think Garoppolo's a fine, and just same argument I just made about Jerry Goff. Garoppolo had this team in the Super Bowl two years ago. So, I mean, it's he's not a, a scrub. He just has issues staying healthy. And so, I, I, I mean, look, every, not every, almost every question I had about Jimmy Garoppolo was answered for me a couple of years ago when uh, the Niners had a game that they had to win in 2019 against the New Orleans Saints. And Jimmy Garoppolo put a team on his back and, and took them to victory. And, you know, ended with George Kittle down the sideline and all that. But, yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo did that. So I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a fine quarterback. Um, I think you've probably upgraded with Trey Lance. Certainly you've gotten younger um, and probably the ability to stay healthy. Uh, but, again, just like I'll give Garoppolo more credit and Goff more credit and downgrade McVay a little bit, you know, I think there are real question marks about Kyle Shanahan. Um, I think that certainly he's proven that he has issues in clutch moments and clutch situations. We'll see about his offense and what that does. I don't believe in George Kittle as much as everybody else does at this stage in his career. Uh, I love those running backs. Uh, and I love the different ways that they get the running backs into space. You know, those, you know, any three of those guys, I mean, I know Jeff Wilson's down. He'll be down, you know, at least half of the season with his injury. But uh, any of those guys that you, you put the ball in their hands, there's a home run threat on every play if they can make the right cut and go. So there's that. Um, you know, I, San Francisco, they don't do enough downfield for me personally. Um, and, and it's just not. So if you can, that would suit what the Seahawks kind of used to do defensively because the Seahawks will let you dink and dunk and have 15 play drives all day. And okay, you might get one in the first half, you might get one in the second half, but I don't, I don't think you'll keep doing that. So they'll run into problems, I think, if they play defenses that are good in the back end um, and they can they can take advantage of that. So what's Trey Lance give him? Maybe, maybe Trey Lance gives them that explosive possibility. You know, um, maybe he hits passes that Jimmy Garoppolo can't like, uh, like the play to Emmanuel Sanders in the Super Bowl against the chiefs. So uh, maybe, maybe he has that ability to push the ball down the field a little bit. I'm, I, I don't know just cause I, I've never seen Trey Lance play a football game. I've seen Zach Wilson play football. I've obviously seen Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields play football games. I've seen Mac Jones play. I've never seen Trey Lance play football games, so I don't know. Exactly. I get it. Yeah, I, t- I totally understand. I think that's where a lot of Niner fans were when they took Trey Lance because we wanted Justin Fields. 
I was pretty much the biggest hype train Justin Fields guy because I think that he is the oh, guy with the potential. Oh, yeah, I know. you know. I was I was I was very happy. <laughs> I was very happy for you. <laughs> I mean, at the the Thessa thing is uh, taking Trey, I just, if it gets them better at the quarterback positions, that's my biggest thing. And I think that the 49ers going to this season with the defense being still as good as it is, and I, I think I'd like to hear your opinion on this. Nick Bosa's coming off a pretty major injury, but Nick Bosa's a freak. You've watched oh, Nick yeah. Bosa at Ohio State. The guy came, got injured there, came back, and then won rookie of the year his first year in the NFL. Sure. So when you look at this 49ers defense versus, you know, what is the Seattle Russell Wilson offense, you know, and this new offense that, you know, yes, you know certain things about it, but maybe you don't know exactly how it's going to be. What are your thoughts on the 49ers defense with what they have right now in Kinlaw coming back for a second year, Armstead still there, uh, Bosa, they went out and got Samson oh. Ebucam, who I know loves Russell Wilson. He's given him some big hugs before. And then from what I've heard, D Ford could be back by week six. So, you know, when you look at that pass rush, it looks like a pretty good pass rush, one of the best in the league. But, you know, what is that uh, from, a, from a Seahawks perspective? Well, they've, they've got a, a tough front. They've had a tough front since Kyle Shanahan got to San Francisco. I mean, you know, the, you could just you, you replace some of the names. You know, you have Bosa there now um, where you didn't before. You know, interior-wise, you have Kinlaw. You used to have uh, DeForest Buckner. Okay, so, I mean, the names are new, but the the idea is not. You know, you used to have three first-round first draft picks or four first-round draft picks uh, in that front four. So, you know, Eric Armstead, whatever. I, I never believed in Eric Armstead. And that's coming from an Oregon duck. So, um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so I think the formula is the same. It's always something you have to worry about. Uh, I think just like has been the case in in the last few years, though, that the Niners are susceptible, susceptible in the secondary if you can have the time, if you can get your quarterback the time. So, um, you know, they need to be better in their run defense to where – to where it's going to – because the run sets up the pass, especially with, you know, something like Seattle. So uh, it, as good as they're on the run defense, that's as well as we'll carry that team because that's what's going to help those defensive linemen uh, when it comes to the passing game too. And and so I think that um, – I think the secondary, you know, and and I know you and you every year – it's a it's a new it's a new crop of guys. It's a new list of names that come out of your mouth every year, touting them as the new second coming of Jesus in the secondary, and they disappoint every year. And I anticipate this year you'll have a new crop of guys that you're going to say are the second coming, and they're going to disappoint again. Hey but, man, Jason Barrett's better than any corner the Seahawks have this year. There we go, and they're going to this year's Jason <laughs> Brett. Okay, uh, do you want to go through the list of names that you've said it, it was before? I, I said it was Richard Sherman at one point, and I mean they got to the Super Bowl, but he ended up messing up and allowed Tyree Kill to score that touchdown. That was, yeah, that was not good. Um, <laughs> that was just broke my heart. Um, I bet it did. So I, I think that you know I think it's kind of more of the same. San Francisco. Look, they for a team that changed their quarterback, they're not a team that for me changed a whole lot. You know, we'll mm-hmm. see what, and again, we'll see what Trey Lance. Yeah, none of We'll see, we'll see what Trey Lance like, becomes. You know, as far as 2021, I, I think it's the same 49ers. It's the same defense. I think that I, even, you know, what you just mentioned about the secondary, even there's Niner fans who are worried about that because right now our starting corners are Jason Brett, who was phenomenal last year, but it's also Emmanuel Mosley, who, you know, we've seen him get beat 
um, you know, by some guys. I think Metcalf beat beat him last year pretty badly. Um, so you know, all that. Metcalf, I mean, Metcalf beats Stephon Gilmore, you know, too. So, Metcalf you know. beats everybody. Well, I, George Kittle beats <laughs> Stephon Gilmore too, and you talk smack on George Kittle, but I'm not going to talk smack on Metcalf today because he is he actually was. You were right. I'm giving you your props today on I my own show that. that you were right at the end of the day that Metcalf is good. And I was and that's wrong. Gotta be, that's, you know what? And that, that shows growth by you. And that's going to be hard. It's <laughs> got to be hard to do. It doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> um, so, you know, you know, from a Seahawks perspective, what are you thinking the Seahawks do? What do you think the NFC West, you know, goes out? I'll tell you right before this, the way that I booked these uh, NFC West segments, as I, the Arizona Cardinals were before you, obviously, because I think they'll finish last in the division. And then I put the Seahawks and then the Rams. And that was the the order I think they're going to finish. So, from a Seahawks perspective, I think next week the Rams guy is going to tell me whatever you tell me, probably because you're going to say they're finished first. Rams guy will tell me they're finished first. But what do you think the Seahawks will do this year? What do you think the NFC West? How do you think it all it all you know ends up at the end of the season? If you had asked me in February, like right after the Super Bowl, I would have told you this is a ten and seven, nine and eight football team, and just saying those numbers is weird and i gotta get used to it the 17 game <laughs> schedule uh i would have told you that especially looking at their schedule now i'll tell you they're a 12 and 5 team what that means for the division i mean it's going to be neck and neck with with the rams um maybe they're maybe the rams are 13 and 4 i don't know uh and that's probably how it shakes out because you know you got to play the rams twice and so mm-hmm. the the rams are just a bad matchup for the Seahawks, and they have been for years. Just the way they're built, how nasty they're up front plays. I mean, they're nasty from the interior, which plays right against the hand of the Seahawks because the the one best way to get at Russell Wilson has always been from the interior and getting his face where he can't see and he can't run away from it. And it's just the Rams. I mean, they tore that offensive line apart in the playoffs last year. So I just... You know, so you've got to give the edge to the Rams if you're saying one of them's going to be 13 and four and one of them's going to be 12 and five, and they're going to play each other twice this year. Uh, you have to give. I would give a one game edge to the Rams at this point. So I don't want to ask this question, but I have to because I know every listener is asking me to. Where are the 49ers finishing in your eyes? Ten and seven. Ten and Which, seven. Look for a rookie quarterback, a ten and seven season. That's 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 really good. So that's that, nothing to, you know, yeah, you would, you would go, I think if you went 10 and seven and you came and you went like four out of six, you know, you were four and two down the stretch. I think that you would feel really good about that. And going into Trey Lance's second year, I, I think that's something you could feel good about. And I, I think that's about, you know, 10 and seven is where the Niners would be at. The Cardinals will probably be, you know, eight and nine, nine and eight. So somewhere around there. It's funny. Cause you know, you, you know me, I was pretty much the preparator of, of everything hype for the 49ers when I worked in Seattle. I was, you know, nine or eight on Seattle radio. And so over time, you know, working in, you know, media and doing this show, I've tried to be a little bit more reserved with my stuff. But I agree with you. <laughs> if they just make the playoffs, I think I'll be pretty happy with Trey Lance. But I mean, the potential for any of the three teams, Niners, Rams, Seahawks, I think is immensely insane because not only are the Rams much improved with a better quarterback, but, you know, they were really good last year, and now they have a better quarterback. The Seahawks still have Russell Wilson, and I think one thing that Niner fans on Twitter, Niner fans everywhere, is they underestimate the Seattle Seahawks because of the fact that, like, you know, your roster outside of Russell Wilson is not as good as the Rams. It's not as good as the 49ers. But the fact is you have this quarterback 
who literally, I mean, he makes the most amazing things happen to the point where it doesn't make sense sometimes. And as a Seahawks fan, you would agree with me. Like some of the stuff they do sometimes is just like, how on earth did he do that? How on God's green earth did he do that? That's what he and does. Then, and then the 49ers with Trey Lance, anything can happen with a rookie quarterback. You know, he could be Justin Herbert. And I said um, on, on the show recently, if, if Justin Herbert was the 49ers quarterback last year, they'd probably go to the playoffs. They don't win the Super Bowl, but they would at least be in the playoffs because they'd have oh, a quarterback sure. that plays the whole season. Sure, sure. Uh, I, I think, um, you know, it, yeah, this team will only go as far as Russell Wilson will take them. I, I think that you had a, a team that the window was closing and that the front office had a, a, a an off season that extended that window. It kept it open a little bit longer. We'll see what the front office does in the next couple of years. But you've got a window right now where you can strike. The C- the Seahawks had the personnel last year to make a Super Bowl run. They could have done it. It was the coaching and Pete Carroll that kept them from doing that. They have the roster once again to go back to the Super Bowl. We'll see if Shane Waldron ends up being the right the right coordinator. I think he is. We'll end up seeing if Pete Carroll can truly give up uh, the reins when it comes to what they're going to do on offense and and let Russ be Russ. I don't say the other thing, uh, but I want them to let Russ be Russ. And I think <laughs> if they do that, let Russ be Russ. We're not saying let Russ cook anymore. We're look, done. People can say you can say whatever you want. Anybody can say whatever they want. I want to let Russell be Russell because what does that mean? That means good decision-making. That means doing things the way he kind of wants to do. That means um, putting points on the board. If you let Russell be Russell, that offense flow through him, this team's going to be just fine and in good position. Well, Sakak, thank you for coming on. Um, if people want to talk to you, want to yell at you, want to smack talk, have a good time, how can they reach you on Twitter? Anytime, anytime. I'm at Slickhawk12 uh, on Twitter. You can find me. I will engage anybody in a debate, civil or not, uh, about football, about the Seahawks, about anything, really. Uh, I'll trade bars with just about anybody. So you can find me at Slickhawk12. Uh, you can find me, you know what? If you like iHeartRadio, Sports Radio 950 KJR, I co-host a show 10 to 1 with Jason Puckett fucking slick you can hear me every single day on there and i think what we want to do is right before the seahawks game on october 3rd uh, that show that week i think i want to get you and jason both on and have <laughs> me and leo uh talk to both you and jason we'll have a good time we'll smack talk because it'll be interesting because hopefully by then we have our rookie quarterback starting and not jimmy garoppolo but obviously it'll be interesting to see you know how the seahawks start the season i think their first game is actually um in indianapolis to start the season which is an interesting right. game because that's DeForest Buckner's territory, and um, they have a new quarterback there in Carson Wentz, so it would be pretty interesting to see you know, what Seattle looks like week one against a team that a lot of people believe could potentially be a playoff team. So mm-hmm. we'll see, but we'll definitely have you on uh, again with Jason. Uh, you can find me at 49 on Twitter. We can talk anything you want, um, except for the Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance thing. That's We're keeping that till July. We won't talk about that till July because that'll become Twitter That'll become Twitter hell, just so you all know. So uh, it's already getting bad. Uh, luckily, you be, better be thankful, Slickhawk, that you don't have to talk about your quarterback because it's getting real old real damn quick. Are you kidding me? I've spent the entire offseason talking about my quarterback. That's all we've been talking about. Well, at least you're not talking about a, you know, a guy who is not better than the rookie 
being the starter. And no, that's instead we're talking fame. about a, a Hall of Fame quarterback in his prime who is so unhappy that he's telling Adam Schefter the four teams he'd, he'd approve a trade to. <laughs> yeah, and there was rumors about a Bears trade, too. I we didn't even talk about that, but I don't yeah, think you want to talk about it. I think that would probably make you miserable. That, that wasn't happening. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> this has been the Niners Nation podcast. We will see you next week with the Rams. Go Niners! Go Niners!